Welcome to the Mahabharat podcast. Shonaka asks Sutta about his ancestor Brigal. The great sage Shonaka, seated in the sacred forest of Maimisha, before the sages, said to Sutta Goswami, O child, O dear son of Lord Maharshana, thy father formerly read all of the Puranas, as well as the great Bharata with Krishna Dvaipaya and Vyas. Hast thou also made them the subject of thy study, O Sutta? In those ancient records are chronicled the interesting stories and history of the first generation of wise men, all of which we have heard in the days of yore rehearsed by thy sire. In the first place, I am desirous of hearing the history of the race of the sage Brigul. Recount thou that history, O Sutta, and we in this sacred forest shall attentively listen. Sutta Goswami then answered, By me hath been acquired all that was formerly studied by the high-souled Brahmanas, including sage Vaisampayan, a royal preceptor of King Janamajaya, and repeated by them. By me hath been acquired all that had been studied by my father, the great Lord Maharshana. O Shonaka, descendant of Brigul, Attend then to so much as relateth to the exalted race of Brigals, who was revered by Indra and all the gods, by the tribes of Rishis and Maruts. O great Muni, I shall first properly recount the story of this family as told in the Puranas. Let us take a pause here before going further into this exchange. This passage and dialogue is in the pursuit of knowledge and of accounts of history, their transmission and the process of validation and trust between two parties in relation to the same exchange. The role of knowledge from bona fide sources is an essential part of the Mahabharata. Counsels, influence, and consequently action. This is a frequent and timeless cycle. So who are those in whom we put trust? On what basis? And in pursuit of what? Who are the custodians of knowledge and of intelligence? These questions are by no means confined to a period sometime in history. We have so far heard of two classes of men, the administrative class, the warriors or kshatriyas, and the learned, the wise sages, the brahmanas. In fact, the previous story of King Janamajaya and the sage Utang was a perfect depiction of such. And now we hear more on the Brahmana lineage, the sages. 
The Mahabharata features the teachings of really the foremost of all sages that are cited in the entire body of Vedic scripture. Who then were these sages? What were their defining characteristics? Were they all great? Where did they come from? And how did the line begin? The sages are generally Brahmanas. What is a Brahmana? What follows are some excerpts from the Mahabharata to give an idea of what are the characteristics by which one is called a Brahmana. King Yayati said to sage Ashtaka in the Sambhav Parva of the Adi Parva, he may never exhibit the pride of family, birth or learning. Clad in the scantiest robes, he may yet regard himself as attired in the richest vestments. The sage Vasishta said to the wish-fulfilling cow Nandini in the Chaitra Ratha Parva of the Adi Parva, when sage Vishwamitra had come to take Vasishta's favorite cow. The warriors, the Kshatriya's might, lies in physical strength, whilst the Brahmanas in forgiveness. Because I cannot give up forgiveness, O Nandini, if you choosest, go thou. Then the snake, Dundumba, said to the sage Ruru in the Paulama Parva of the Adi Parva, O thou, first of created beings, verily, the highest virtue of man is sparing the life of others. Therefore, a Brahmana should never take the life of any creature. A Brahmana should be mild, that is the most sacred injunction of the Vedas. A Brahmana should be versed in the Vedas and Vedangas, and should inspire all creatures with belief in God. He should be benevolent to all creatures, truthful and forgiving, even as it is his paramount duty to retain the Vedas in his memory. The celestial Gandharva, Angaraparna, said to Arjun in the Jaitrarataparva, Know therefore, O perpetuator of the Guru race, Arjun, that the kingdom lasts forever, in which Brahmanas have power. A Kshatriya of good lineage, desirous of extending his dominions by conquering the earth, should, O Barth, first appoint a priest. He who is desirous of conquering the earth should have a Brahmana before him. who are the Saptarishi, or the Seven Great Sages. The Saptarishi, or Seven Great Sages, are a good starting point to help understand the dynamics of the Brahmana. Formally, they are the Brahmanas who are most extolled in the Vedas, to the point they have a formal designation of being the Saptarishi, seven sages. 
The next interesting point to note is that the Saptarishi is a post or position and not a person as such. Similar to how Prime Minister is a post whilst the person occupying the post may change. In the world, the position changes by appointment, by death, or by being overthrown, whereas the Saptarishi position changes as the age or the era changes. According to the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, across 14 cycles of Manu, of the 99 sages that have taken a place within the Saptarishi or seven great sages, Atri Muni, Satya Muni, and Havishman Muni are the only sages to have featured in two cycles or more. Interestingly, sages of the name Ashwadhamma, Vyasa, Kripa, Aruni, and Rishi Shringa also appear in other cycles of Manu amongst the seven sages. It is not clear whether they are personalities with the same names of the characters we know, or indeed the same characters themselves. In any case, the principle of rotation and diversification amongst the sages clearly plays a role here. The Srimad Bhagavatam says, During the time of Svayambhuvamanu, these sons all became the demigods collectively named Dushitas. Marichi became the head of the seven sages and Yagna became the king of the demigods, Indra. And Bhagavatam goes on in the eighth canto to say, and the Srimad Bhagavatam in Canto 8 also says, During the reign of the third Manu, Brahmada and other sons of Vasishta became the seven sages. The Satyas, Vedashutas and Bhadras became demigods and Satyajit was selected to be Indra, the king of heaven. The stories here, within the opening chapters of the Mahabharata, contain both the sage Brigul and the sage Gashya, or the lines of theirs, playing seed roles. So who are the seven great sages in the current iteration of Manu, Vaivasvata? The Brihadaranyaka Upanishad cites the sages Gashya, Atri, Vasishta, Vishvamitra, Gautam, Jamad Agni and Bharadvaj are known as the seven sages. And Srila Prabhupada, in his translation of the Srimad Bhagavatam, has the same list as the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad. The Sanskrit word Upanishad can be broken down into components. Upa means near, Ni means most, and Shad means to exist. Therefore, the literal translation of Upanishads means that which exists most near. That said, there are multiple interpretations or understandings of the word Upanishad, including in the Vedanta school meaning, 
sitting near devotionally. The Upanishads are also said to be the end of the Vedas and are concerned with allegorical significances or mystical meanings of the existence, the origins of life, the world, the soul and of God. The seven sages are also cited in the books of spiritual axioms, the Vedas, specifically in the Samaved, which is the Veda of hymns and praises. It specifies the seven sages in the same order except sage Agatya instead of Gautam. The Gopata Brahmana, the genre of prose texts describing the Vedic rituals associated with the Atharvaved, also has the same, except with sage Gungu and Agatya instead of the sages Atri and Kashyap. The Brahmin Gotras that are still very much cited today, both in India and outside, also have another variation, whereby there are ten seed sages, rather than the great seven, from whom come all lines. The three editions feature indeed the sage Brigul, as well as Angiras and Agatya Muni. The most read version of the Bhagavad Gita in the world is that by Srila Prabhupada, and in this Krishna says, And from Brahma all the seven great sages, and before them four other great sages named Sanaka, Sanandan, Sanatan and Sanat Kumar, and the fourteen Manus are manifested. In this way all of the Brahmanas and Kshatriyas are born out of the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The seven sages therefore form part of the backbone of the Vedic apparatus and therefore, as we shall see, the Mahabharata pays great heed to the sages and it is their wisdom that is shared with the central characters throughout the epic. So who was Brigul Muni? Srila Prabhupada on multiple occasions has cited the seven great sages, but interestingly there is some variation to the sages being cited as the great seven, and specifically with Brigul Muni. The Srimad Bhagavatam cites Kashyap, Atri, Vasishta, Vishwamitra, Gautam, Jamadagni, and Bharadwaj are known as the seven sages. Interestingly, this list does not contain sage Brigul. Srila Prabhupada, in a lecture in Gorakhpur, shares There are seven rishis headed by Brigul. Brigul, Vasishta, Atreya, like that. There are seven great rishis. The seven planets you see on the northern side, they are supposed to be their abodes. Brigva Adaya, centering Dhruvalok, the pole star. The Srimad Bhagavatam also says, Lord Brahma spoke this Vedic knowledge to his eldest son, Manu, and the seven great sages, headed by Brigul Muni, then accepted the same knowledge from Manu.
So from all of this, we see the designations amongst the sages seem to be dynamic, as we also see in the reality of this world. Brigumuni is especially known for his central involvement in one pastime. The Krishna book, a composition of excerpts from the Srimad Bhagavatam by Srila Prabhupada, tells the story. Long ago, there was an assembly of great sages on the bank of the river Saraswati, and they performed a great sacrifice of the name Satra Yagya. And in this Yagya, the following question was raised. The three predominating deities of this material world, namely Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu and Lord Shiva, are directing all of the affairs of the cosmos. But who amongst them is supreme? After much discussion on this question, the great sage named Brigul, who is the son of Lord Brahma, was deputed to test all three predominating deities and report to the assembly as to who is the greatest. Being thus deputed, the great sage Brigumuni first went to his father, the creator, Brahma, in his residence, Brahmaloka. The three deities are the controllers of the three material qualities, namely the qualities of goodness, passion, and ignorance. The plan decided upon by the sages was for Brigul to test which of these predominating deities possesses the quality of goodness in full. Therefore, when Brigumuni reached his father, Lord Brahma, because he wanted to test whether he had the quality of goodness, he purposely did not offer his respects to his father, either by offering obeisances or by offering any prayers, despite Brahma being the creator and his father. Brigumuni purposely failed to offer respects just to see Lord Brahma's reaction to this negligence. Lord Brahma was very angry at his son's impudence, and he showed signs which proved this to be so. He was even prepared to condemn Brigul by cursing him, but because Brigul was his son, Lord Brahma controlled his anger with his great intelligence. And this means that although the quality of passion was prominent in Lord Brahma, he had the power to control it. Lord Brahma's anger and his controlling the anger are likened to fire and water. Water is produced from fire, but fire can be extinguished with water. After testing Lord Brahma, Brigumuni went directly to the planet Gailash, where Lord Shiva resides. Brigumuni happened to be Lord Shiva's brother, both having Lord Brahma as their father. Therefore, as soon as Brigumuni approached, Lord Shiva was very glad and personally rose to embrace him. But when Lord Shiva approached, Brigumuni refused to embrace him. My dear brother, he said, 
You are always very impure because you smear your body with ashes and you are not very clean. Please do not touch me. When Brigumuni refused to embrace his brother, saying that Lord Shiva was very impure, the latter became very angry with him. It is said that an offence can be committed either with the body, with the mind, or by speech. Brigumuni's first offence, committed towards Lord Brahma, was an offence with the mind. His second offence was committed towards Lord Shiva by insulting him, criticising him for unclean habits, and was therefore an offence offered by speech. Because the quality of ignorance is prominent in Lord Shiva, when he heard Brigu's insult, his eyes immediately became red with anger. With uncontrollable rage, he took up his trident and prepared to kill Brigu Muni. At the same time, Lord Shiva's wife, Bharvati, was present. Her personality is a mixture of the three qualities and therefore she is called Three Gunamai. In this case, she saved the situation by evoking Lord Shiva's quality of goodness. She fell down at the feet of her husband and with her sweet words, she talked him out of killing Rigumuni. After being saved from the anger of Lord Shiva, Rigumuni went directly to the planet Shwetadipa, where Lord Vishnu was lying on a bed of flowers accompanied by his wife, the goddess of fortune Lakshmi, who was engaged in massaging his lotus feet. There Brigumuni purposely committed the greatest sin by offending Lord Vishnu physically. Lord Vishnu is all-merciful. He did not become angry at the activities of Brigumuni because he knew that Brigumuni was a great Brahmana. Yet it is said that from the time of this incident, the goddess of fortune Lakshmi has not been very favourably disposed towards the Brahmanas. And therefore, because the goddess of fortune withholds her benedictions from them, the Brahmanas are generally poor in terms of material wealth. Brigumuni is touching the chest of Lord Vishnu with his foot was certainly a great offence, but Lord Vishnu is so great that he did not care. In fact, instead of being angry or cursing Brigumuni, Lord Vishnu immediately got up from his bed along with his wife, the goddess of fortune, and offered respectful obeisances to the Brahmana Brigu. He addressed him as follows, My dear Brahmana, it is a great blessing for me that you have come here. Please therefore sit down on this cushion for a few minutes. My dear Brahmana, I am very sorry that when you first entered, I could not receive you properly. It was a great offence on my part, and I beg you to pardon me. You are so pure and great that the water which washes your feet can purify even the places of pilgrimage. Therefore I request you to purify the Vaikuntha planet where I live with my associates. My dear father, 
O great sage, I know that your feet are very soft like lotus flower, and that my chest is as hard as a thunderbolt. I am therefore afraid that you may have felt some pain by touching my chest with your feet. Let me therefore touch your feet to relieve the pain you have suffered. And Lord Vishnu then began to massage the feet of Brigamuni. Brigamuni could then understand his position and that of the Lord, and he was struck with wonder at the behaviour of the Supreme Person, Vishnu. Because of his gratitude, his voice choked up, and he was unable to reply to the words of the Lord. Tears glided from his eyes, and he could not say anything. He simply stood silently before the Lord. After testing Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and Lord Vishnu, Brigamuni returned to the assembly of great sages on the bank of the river Saraswati and described his experiences. After hearing them with great attention, the sages concluded that all of the predominating deities, certainly Vishnu, is situated in the mode of goodness in the highest degree. The example is given that small lamps may become agitated by a little breeze, but the greatest lamp or the greatest illuminating source, the sun, is never moved, even by the greatest hurricane. One's greatness has to be estimated by one's ability to tolerate provoking situations. The sages gathered on the bank of the Saraswati concluded that if anyone wants actual peace and freedom from all fearfulness, he should take shelter of the lotus feet of Vishnu. Brigamuni, being chosen to conduct this test, is clearly one of the most esteemed of sages. In fact, Krishna himself in the Bhagavad Gita says, Of the great sages, I am Brigu. Of vibrations, I am Om. And of sacrifices, I am the chanting of the holy names. And of immovable things, I am the Himalayas. So sage Brigu here is also Krishna's choicest amongst the hundreds of great sages. Srila Prabhupada further elaborates, Brahma, the first living being in the universe, created several suns for the propagations of various kinds of species. The most powerful among his sons is Brigul, who is the greatest sage. Back to the Mahabharata. The Sutta hence began his explanation of the line of Brigul, in which Shonaka comes also. The great and blessed saint Brigul, we are informed, was produced by the self-existing Brahma from the fire at the sacrifice of Varuna, and Brigu had a son named Javana, whom he dearly loved, and to Javana was born a virtuous son called Brahmati, and Brahmati had a son named Ruru by Gritachi, 
the celestial dancer and Tarulu, also by his wife, Brahmadwara, was born a son whose name was also Shonaka. He was, O Shonaka, thy great ancestor, exceedingly virtuous in his ways. He was devoted to asceticism, of great reputation, proficient in law, and eminent amongst those having knowledge of the Vedas. He was virtuous, truthful, and of well-regulated fare. And with this, we close this episode with an introduction of Brigul Muni in the context of the landscape of great sages. We will hear more about as the Mahabharata continues to unfold. <laughs>